So I got a confession to make. There are days that I struggle with prayer. How many of you relate? Like you could be in your abide time, have scripture, be consistent here, but then when it comes to prayer, maybe neglect it. And I think that a lot of us struggle from time to time, and I think it's okay. We shouldn't feel like guilty or shamed into praying. It's not something that we have to do. It should be something we get to do, right? It should be something that we look forward to. I mean, imagine that you're, or you have friendships. What if your friend felt forced to be with you? That's not much of a, a friendship, right? When you're together, sometimes you don't even talk. You just enjoy being each other's presence. And yes, you share what's on your heart and you listen and you express gratitude and, and there's honor. Like those are things that would contribute to a healthy relationship if you have healthy communication. And that's what it is with prayer. God wants to be close to you. But I don't know if you can be close to God without praying, without there being good communication. It should be the desire of our heart to grow. And if we're not praying, then we're not growing. Not just praying directly to God personally in our relationship with him, but praying on behalf of others. That's called intercession. When we pray for each other and pray with each other. Like I, I, I see a church that, that in small groups and personally that we don't just, when we hear a, a need or a concern, we don't just say, hey, I'll, I'll be praying for you. I'll be sending prayers up to the big guy. You know, like, but rather we seize the moment wherever we're at. It doesn't matter if we're at church, if we're at home, if we're in the marketplace, and we just pray for each other. We just seize those moments to pray for each other. That's what I, I look forward to. I, I, I look forward to us being strong. Like As a church family, I don't want us to just be known for being friendly or for di discipling people well. I want us to be known for being a praying church. Amen? Charles Finney, who was a, uh, a lawyer back in the late 1800s, and he was saved, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, became a soul winner, an evangelist, and a very effective author says, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. There's something happens when you pray for each other out loud, right? You really get to know someone's hearts and the motive that they have. And you can tell that they've been with the Lord. And that's what I desire for each of us because if you're gonna be a devoted follower of Jesus, you're going to do it because you pray. Like if your marriage is going to be godly and strong, it's going to be because you pray for each other. If your children are going to grow up as strong in the Lord, it's going to be because you prayed for them and you modeled for them. If your small group is going to be united, if our church family is going to be strong, healthy, and united, it's going to be because we pray. If the Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year, it's because we prayed for them. <laughs> All right, all right. Turn, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. I'm sorry, I got to... Got away from me right there. All right. Lord, help the Cowboys win. This is our year in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. So Matthew 21, this is a time where Jesus is descending from the Mount of Olives. He is going to the city, to Jerusalem. And it's a, it's a joyous time. It's an exciting time. There's crowds everywhere. For us, it would be like the week before Easter. This is Passover time where there's over a million Jews that come from all the, the surrounding areas and they make their pilgrimage to the temple to make sacrifices. And so Jesus is coming in and he, he says that in verse 
12 of Matthew 21, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? It doesn't say my house shall be called a house of worship. It doesn't say a house of offering or house of sacrifice or house of preaching or house of Bible story, Bible study, it says, my house shall be a house of prayer, right? It's a priority. But you have made it a den of thieves. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. He says, have faith. When you pray, have faith, have confidence and trust in God. And, and you will have it and you will receive it. So it's, it's when Jesus, you got to imagine, he's coming into the city and all these people are here and on the outer courts of the temple is an area that's just for Gentiles who believe in God. Like if you're not a Jew, you can't come into the inner courts. And so it's on the outer courts are Jewish leaders who are selling animals. They're selling lambs. They're selling, if you can't afford a lamb, you can buy a dove, except they have inflated the price of all of these, these items because they know that they need to have a animal sacrifice. And so they're, they're, they just kind of inflated the price and they're trying to make money. They're greedy. And Jesus sees this and discerns it. So imagine the, the grief and the, the indignation that's righteous, that's rising up. And he just starts flipping tables, right? He drives them out. And he, because he, he desires his house to be a house of prayer, a house where you can encounter God to be in the presence of the Lord. That's what his desire was, that it would be a house of prayer, a house of prayer. And so what is prayer? Quite simply, it's just talking with the Lord. It's talking and listening. It's a communication. A lot of times I think we think of prayer, we compartmentalize it to being right before we eat or when we go to bed or when we, when we have these moments, but rather what if we were sensitive to the presence of God at all times? And we were just, we had needs either personally or on behalf of someone, we just, we would pray or we would express appreciation to the Lord thankful for all the blessings, or if we needed guidance, we would pray and we'd ask God while you're driving that you would talk to God and pray. That's just what the heart of the Lord is. Like he desires that we be people of prayer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. This is a time where his, Jesus' own disciples are saying, Jesus, we see you pray. Like they knew that he would withdraw early in the morning and go in the wilderness to pray. He, he stayed up one night, all night praying before he selected his apostles. Remember the time that he was in the garden and the urgency that he prayed? He prayed with such passion and urgency. It was like drops of blood. It was, it was like that urgent. I, I desire that. I desire that for you, that you would grow spiritually, that, that you would go after God in prayer and have such a hunger and a passion for the Lord and be men and women who would pray. But some of you are like, your life isn't marked with prayer, maybe because you become lukewarm. You become apathetic. Those days that happen to all of us, if those days that we neglect prayer turn into a week or turn into a month, there's a problem there. It could be because there's something in our life that's not right with God. We have unforgiveness or, or there's sin in our life that we need to confess. And, but we need to be people of prayer. So his disciples say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus responded in verse 9 of Matthew 6. He said, after this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What we refer to as the Lord's Prayer was not, in general, it was not new for his disciples. All Jews in the first century would have recited what they called the Omnidot Prayer, which was very similar to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus introduces some things. He changes some things on how he refers to God, and he introduces forgiveness. That was not in the Omnidot Prayer. But basically, Jesus is saying, hey, the prayer, the Omnidot Prayer that you pray at noon in groups of 10, you already know how to do it. Just do it. Don't make it rocket science. Like, just pray, but pray. Talk to God. Trust him, but let it come from a heart that really is, is love. Don't let it just be with lips. Don't do it in front of people just to be heard, and you're not praying to me privately. He's saying, go in your secret place. Remember Matthew 5, he says, shut the door when no one's watching, and you pray to your Father in heaven. But prayer matters to the Lord. And so let us look at this, this Lord's Prayer and then after looking at it, we're going to put this into practice. All right, we're going to spend some time praying to God corporately over some things. Personally, we're going to pray for each other, give you an opportunity to pray to the Lord as well with things that are on your heart. So Jesus first says, our Father in heaven. By calling God our Father in heaven, it's like he's bridging the majestic fear of the Lord that people have over the creator to a very personal term a family term, right, of, of father, and he's, he's bringing these together. Your father in heaven, he's not distance, he's your father. And the, and the, the word father, for us, it seems like a, a familiar term that we use often when we pray. But in the Old Testament, for his Jewish audience, the term father wasn't used to describe God. You can read through the whole Old Testament, and you won't see that happen. So it was very new. And Jesus is saying, hey, I, when, you, when you see your, your father in heaven, he's introducing this, this very intimate word here, this, this trust in your dad. In fact, the Arabic word that Jesus would use and other writers in the New Testament would use for father, Arabic word is most closely translated to the word daddy. Very intimate, personal word, like my, my daddy. Think of it like my daddy who art in heaven. Like this personal address. This word also has a political dimension because in the first century, Jews lived under the rule of who? The Roman rule of Caesar. And Caesar expected from time to time, he would expect those he ruled to refer to him as father. And it was a way to uh, kind of not make that distance so far, but rather he, would, he, he wanted to humanize the relationship between those he, who he ruled and himself. And so in a way, Jesus saying, our father who art in heaven, he's saying, there's only one father in heaven and it's not Caesar. So our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's a focus on the sacredness of God's name. The first century Jews, the, the, Oftentimes, when they were writing out the name Jehovah, they wouldn't even write all the letters because it was so sacred. But when we say the name of God, we should think of the sum of his character and nature. Like you should be very familiar with the, the terms of the names of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jehovah Jireh, God, you are my provider. When you are in need, you can go with confidence and have faith that God will provide for you. Jehovah Rafi, which means God our Healer, you are sick. You should go to the Lord first. Jehovah Shalom, God, you are our peace. 
But even in the New Testament, when we go and we, we think of the name, we should think of the name of Jesus, right? The name above all names. There's only one name under heaven whereby we can be saved, the book of Acts says. And that's the name of who? Jesus. Let's say his name out loud again. Jesus, right? When you think of Jesus, think about all of his character and nature. Think about who he referred to himself as. I am the life and the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. So when you go to the Lord and praise and you, you spend time in prayer and allow your lips out of the abundance of your heart and the knowledge of who God is to you from scripture, you begin to pray that and praise that and lift up. It's important to have a high view of God. A.W. Tozer says your thoughts about God are your most important thoughts about you. So have a high view of God based upon scripture. So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This is the master theme of the entire gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he preached repentance and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. He came to establish the kingdom, like a heavenly kingdom. It wasn't what they expected at that time, They were expecting a military kingdom to set them free from the Roman oppression. But every first century Jew would have held on to the blessed hope. It's based on the 300 prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament from Jeremiah, Joel, Isaiah. Scriptures that a new Messiah would come, a new king would come and establish a kingdom. So they were longing for that. And Jesus came and he was that king to establish that kingdom. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another way to say it is, may what happens on earth happen on earth. May it be reflected through our lives that the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus tells us how that's gonna happen the manifesto of his kingdom, which is the, on the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Beatitudes, that we should be marked by meekness, having a hunger for God and righteousness, that we would be merciful, that we should forgive each other, that we should be peacemakers, right? That these, we should be humble. These are, this is the way of the kingdom of God. This is how we should, we should live our lives. We should bear the fruit of the Spirit. We should walk in the Spirit. This is the way of the kingdom that it's aligning our wills with the will of the Almighty God. If you're living your lives in a way that's contrary to Scripture, contrary to the will of God, then, then confess that and submit yourself to his authority because you get to your love. And there you will find protection and blessing and peace and joy that you can't find any other way. So the first part of the Lord's Prayer highlights his character, his nature. And the second part is more, it's more petition and request, right? He says, give us this day our daily bread. Bread is the symbol for physical sustenance, but it's also the symbol for spiritual sustenance. Like his hearers in that day would have remembered when you say, give us this day, they would have thought back of their time. Their ancestors were in the wilderness after being delivered out of Egypt, right? And how did God provide for them to eat? Do you remember? What was it? Manna from heaven, right? Supernatural bread from heaven that they would gather it in the morning. They would eat. It was delicious. And that's how they ate for 40 years. So they, they depended upon God they, for, to, to survive, to eat. But what's interesting about what Jesus says here, he says, give us this day our daily bread. It, it kind of seems repetitive, right? Like why, why wouldn't he just say, give us our daily bread? Well, the repetition 
There's no word uh, in the Bible. There's no extra words. They all have purpose and meaning. So this repetition is meant to remind us of the double portion of bread that God gave his Israel, the Israelites in the wilderness. On the sixth day, they were to get a double portion. Any other day, if they tried to get extra, it would go bad. But on the sixth day, before the Sabbath, they were to get extra, and then that, that manna wouldn't be spoiled, and they would eat the next day without working for it. And it would remind them again of their dependence upon God's generosity. And so when we are expressing, Father, give us everything that we need in life. And we're dependent upon you. We are to ask for God's generosity and be dependent and grateful for it. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Jesus is introducing um, something to the Omnidot prayer here, but it's very personal and dear to his heart. Remember Matthew 18 he teaches on constant forgiveness, that, that forgiveness is not just a, a feeling, it's a choice, right? And we do this based on Christ's forgiveness of us. And so he says here, look how he links the forgiveness that we receive from God based on our confession to him with our forgiveness of others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus teaches, if you don't forgive others, then you won't be forgiven. It's essential, it's mandatory because God knows our hearts. He doesn't want us to walk around with bitterness and grudges and hurt in our hearts. We are to love God and love other people. And we do this through forgiveness, constant forgiveness. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus lived this out, didn't he? Remember before he started his ministry, he spent 40 days fasting and praying in the wilderness and three times the devil came and tempted him, right? Tempted him three ways. And how did Jesus respond every time? Remember, we, we taught, we, you were taught on this. He says, it is written. He knew the word of God. It was in him. And he, it's like, he used this to combat temptation. And we are to do the same. We should know the word of God as a sword. Be so familiar with the verse that we've hit it in our hearts that we might not sin against God. So we should ask God, whenever we're facing a trial or facing temptation, and some of you are facing a, a, a very serious battle right now, and you struggle, and you've got burdens on your heart, knowing that God loves you, and he's allowing you to be in this season. Maybe you need to turn to him, and, and he wants to produce dependence in your heart and, and brokenness and humility so your character can become strong or that he can redeem it to help other people. But he will allow us to go through trials. He's a loving father living here on this earth, we're not promised never to go through a trial or not have temptation. But Jesus, who was tried and tempted in all these ways, showed us the way, right? He showed us to trust in the Lord. And we should do the same thing, not to give in temptation, not to harden our heart, not to, to go to a path that is selfish and that would lead to destruction, but in humility, turn to our Father. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Will you stand to your feet. We're going to go to the Lord, and I want to encourage us to pray out loud the Lord's Prayer, if you know it. If you haven't memorized it, I want to challenge you to memorize this prayer and to pray it daily this week. Teach it to your children and to break it down, explain the components like we just shared today. So let's go to the Lord. Let's humble our hearts. Let's not say these words in a repetitive way, which is easy to do, but let's is really think of these words and let it come from a heart of love and trust to the Lord, all right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who commit trespasses against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you continue to bow your head and out of your lips, would you praise the Lord? Let's start by just addressing our Father in heaven. Let's, let's worship his great name. Would you do that right now? Just kind of lift up your voices and praise. Let's do it as a, let this be a house of prayer that we are in the presence of God. When all of us are lifting our voices, it won't be a distraction one to another. Don't be shy. This is our opportunity. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of your prayers. Let's just worship him and praise him right now. Come on, let's everybody lift up your voices. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that we can be in your presence. It is our honor to lift your name up in the name above all names. You are our Father. We praise you. We worship you. We trust you. We love you. May you be honored here as we come before your people. We are your flock. We are your family. We are your children. We honor you. We are dependent upon you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Jesus.